right uh, happy wednesday everyone welcome to the robert show i'm super excited about the show i can already see a few folks joining today for this amazing topic which is how to scale data ops within the modern data stacks and this time we are discussing uh this cool topic with uh, the folks from data brand ai which is now part of ibm so pretty uh psyched about it obviously can't wait to uh bring on our guests uh Ryan and Josh uh, up here, but before that, uh, I just wanted to let uh, you guys know that we are uh, also doing a very cool giveaway, which is uh, a good Amazon voucher of hundred dollars if you register and uh, also type in hashtag data band in the chat. And this is what you need to type in. I can already see Amy JS uh, putting it uh, in the chat. So pretty cool uh during the show obviously we'll be discussing about various topics uh, around data governance data ops uh, so feel free to bring in your questions for ryan and josh i know josh would be joining us shortly uh, but we have ryan up here so let's bring him up on the stage hey ryan welcome to the robert show hey man what's going on good to be back how you doing over there? I got, your, I got your sweatshirt and your stickers and all the cool stuff you sent me from uh, from India. Oh, so wow. that's that's pretty cool and uh, very nice to have you back again, uh, Ryan. Uh, obviously, your uh, you know thoughts about data are clearly what our community loves, and uh, you know, and that's uh, one of the reasons. Uh, can't wait to hear about this uh, very cool topic, which is how to scale data ops within the modern data stack. And uh, can't wait to hear your thoughts. But just to start with, why not introduce yourself and also share a bit of your experience uh, working with data ops and you know, uh, and and the modern data stack over at DataBand. So I'm sure the folks joining us would love to have that type of introduction. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, so I'm Ryan Yackel. Good to meet you all. I'm Chief Marketing Officer over at uh, Databand.ai, which is a, now a part of IBM. Um, and I'm also a product leader over there as well. So um, where our uh, solution and where Databand kind of fits into data, data ops and where we'll be talking about today is really, uh, it, it's a solution for data observability that it helps any data ops process around testing and monitoring uh, data quality um, really to helping data ops teams really be more efficient in, in their process. And I know that data ops is like a, a big umbrella term that uh, I think we, um, some people embrace and some people don't, but um, you know, when we talk to customers today, they are uh, definitely dealing with the, the complexity of a modern data stack, uh, which is uh, tons of different tools. A lot of the vendors that are on your, your uh, show that uh, have come on, they're part of that modern data stack as well. So, from ingestion all the way to consumption, there's tons of different tools and the volume of data isn't slowing down and, and being able to orchestrate and deliver reliable pipelines is, is key to uh, that data journey. So, um, yeah, we, we talk with customers day in and day out that are on lots of different spectrums in their data ops journey um, today. So happy to talk about that. And again, we'll be kind of taking it from a view of um, uh, kind of how data quality can really help out uh, in terms of the data ops process. Okay, pretty cool. Uh, that's interesting, uh, and definitely can't wait to hear how you've been, you know, working into it, uh, the data ops space. Uh, so, just for our audience, I'm pretty sure, uh, uh, you know, even I'm kind of curious to uh, 
learn more about you know the definition of what data ops means and how it differs from devops or traditional data management because there's a lot of you know articles that we've read around this topic in you know uh, in your terms how do you see and how can you define data ops in uh, you know also how it differs from devops and traditional data management yeah, so um, one of the things, and I, re I recently just did like a webinar on this. So let me go ahead and share mm -hmm. uh, my screen here if you want to pull up uh, what I'm showing. Yeah, so sure. when I when I talk to people about DevOps and data ops, I mean, the, the distinction is similar and different at the same time. And so I don't want to mm -hmm. belabor the point here. I don't want to people to get on and be like, yes, Ryan, I know what DevOps is. I'm part of a DevOps team. I'm a, I'm a software mm -hmm. engineer, data engineer that works within data. You don't need to explain this, but I do, I do want to like highlight some quick differences just to like lay the baseline because when we're talking about uh, DevOps, what we're really referring to a lot of times is the application software development space. Um, right. Anyone that's developing an application that's in the cloud or doing a microservices or in the cloud, I mean, the whole point is to uh, really uh, uh, enable this collaboration between development and testing. It's across this value chain so that you can eventually deliver high quality software. Um, two companies before DataBand uh, that I was at, one of the companies was called Tricentis, and they're mu very much in the continuous testing space, a continuous uh, development uh, DevOps space when it comes to uh, software test automation. And their whole point is you got to have uh, software test automation built in to deliver reliable software at the end of this, you know, in this continuous DevOps, continuous delivery cycle that you have. So that means doing all different layers of different testing that goes on. So it's from unit testing to uh, application development testing to performance testing. All of that right. is something that's going on in DevOps, right? It's this continuous uh, learning around the the software that you are uh, coding and then testing and then also delivering. And traditionally, the way you would monitor these DevOps processes, uh, if, if you're going through this entire, this continuous workflow, is you would have something in there that is constantly monitoring your software delivery pipelines so that you can have, you can monitor these things, you can optimize for them. So things like New Relic or Datadog or Instana that are, these APM tools that are possibly in a production environment after these the, these pipelines are delivered, that helps you drive more software innovation. Well, with data ops, it's kind it's it's the the goal isn't just around software development. It's really around the data that's going into uh, this these data products or uh, analytics tools or um, you know ML pipelines that you're building. Really delivering this mm -hmm. this high quality data that's available to be used really, really fast. So we want to enable, you know, high quality data for all these data systems. And the same thing, the same continuous word where it's 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 in DevOps is the same thing that's going on in, in data ops, where it's now what you're trying to do is not necessarily monitor and optimize for your uh, application software development uh, um, process. But you, what you're trying to do is monitor and optimize for data pipelines, because at the end of the day, you know, when it comes down to it, what we're trying to do is really deliver these high uh, uh, high quality pipelines for the business. And this is actually a, a, a nice graph that um, Eckerson Group um, came out with a while back. They just came out with a 
market landscape for data observability. That's on databand.ai. If you ever want to, if anyone wants to go and take a look at it, I think we'll share that after the, the show as well, Rabbit. But um, yep. the way they kind of view data ops is across these, you know, three things. You've got testing that goes on. You've got CI, CD that's going on. You've got orchestration. And then at the bottom layer of it, and I know this is a very simplistic diagram, but the bottom of it, it's like, okay, what are you doing in this entire process from test to orchestration that you are making sure that you're monitoring the quality of the data, both at the data level, the, the, the data set level, and also the pipeline level so that when you're getting through with this entire process or in, in your, it, it, it's, it's continuous, it's not going to stop. You're able to have like these uh, alerting, so, uh, uh, continuous learning and, and alerting solutions going on within this pipeline so that you can detect bad data as it's going through and really optimize for everyone that's involved in this data ops work, uh, workflow from the architect all the way to the consumer, analytics engineers, data engineers, and in between, everyone's touching these different components of this cycle. So if you have something in there that you can monitor the performance of what's going on as you're doing the testing, as you're doing your CICD, as you're doing your orchestration, that's really gonna help right. you, um, you know, deliver something faster and also higher quality. So uh, I really like this diagram that uh, Eckerson Group actually put out recently. So that, I think that's a good, good jumping off point in terms of like difference between DevOps and also data ops. Yeah, you know, I think uh, that's pretty interesting, Ryan. Uh, and great insights about, you know, obviously DevOps with the data ops, and also you touched a bit about the data quality. So uh, that's there. But uh, uh, we have a second guest here, uh, Josh, who's the, also the co founder of DataBand. Let's bring him up uh, on stage here. So, Josh, welcome to the Robert Show. Uh, your first visit and Ryan's second visit. Uh, uh, we, we we just started off in um, you know uh, Ryan gave us good insights about uh, data ops. How does he look at uh, like how does he define data ops? But I'm pretty sure the audience would also love to hear from you about that. So, uh, first of all, can you introduce yourself and then uh, you know give us uh, tell us about your experience? Uh, and what what do you think about data ops and the modern data stack? Uh, so would be very helpful for our audience out there. Absolutely, it's great to be here. Thanks for for introducing me. So hi everybody, I'm Josh Benamram. I'm one of the co-founders and the, the CEO of DataBand. Now actually within the product organization at IBM, uh, which recently acquired us back in July of of last year. Uh, but we built this company to to help organizations better manage their data ops. So mm -hmm. data ops has been at the forefront of our mission since day one. I think Ryan went through an awesome definition for um, what data ops is. Um, how mm -hmm. I would how I would take that from my own words is data ops. This is just the the set of processes and products and even culture within a data organization that helps ensure that the production processes they run to deliver data to the rest of the business are reliable. And I think the parallel to DevOps is perfectly apt because a lot of how we think about this world is borrowing the concepts that have matured within DevOps and SRE teams over the last decade mm -hmm. really, and rethinking how they might be applied to data organizations where the output is not a uh, reliable software application, but rather a reliable data set or a dashboard or a set of tables 
or a metric that's getting consumed by the business or its, its downstream stakeholders. So data ops about making sure that production systems are running for the data team. Okay. I think uh, uh, that's a good side to what we've heard from Ryan as well and from you, Josh. Uh, so that gives us a good overview about, you know, uh, what data ops is and uh, where you look, how you look at it. Uh, my next question definitely is, uh, do you have any thoughts about DevOps versus data ops? I know uh, Ryan has covered a good ground there, but any quick uh, things that you would want to add to what Ryan mentioned? Well, I, I think it's it's interesting it, trying to understand the parallels between ops and these two domains and how they're similar and how they're really different. I think the, the main difference that, well, starting with what's similar, a lot of the standard operating procedures, a lot of the, the processes that you run within a DevOps team, there is the parallel within data ops that, that you would want to set up. So for example, CICD processes, that's something new that we see a lot of data engineering teams beginning to adopt in a more structured, standardized way, whereas every software team today has a, a pretty well-established CICD process. Um, mm -hmm. Another example, maybe that's becoming more common now, is the adoption of SLAs within the data team. So within most DevOps organizations, even down to contractual obligations, software teams will have SLAs. That might be something like mm -hmm. Uh, you know, nine 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 uptime or or whatever it might be six nine uptime, um, but data teams most of, most of the data teams that we talk to today don't yet have those kinds of hard coded SLAs in the same way, but they're thinking about it. So that concept of SLAs we're also seeing being transferred over. Um, but um, a lot of those activities they're going to have a parallel. I think one of the main differences in the data world versus the software world is. We encounter a lot of issues within data that are much less deterministic, whether or not mm. there's a problem. So within the DevOps domain, um, I'm not going to say that it's simpler to do DevOps. It certainly is not simpler, but knowing when things are going wrong may, be, may, may actually feel more straightforward, right? You're logging onto Salesforce application or whatever, you're logging onto Twitter, and you're getting 404 errors, right? Users not able to sign in or a database is down or web server is down. There's more of those kinds of binary situations. It's alive or it's dead within the DevOps world. You know, mm -hmm. pod is down, whatever, whatever it might be. Within the data world, things feel a lot more fuzzy. It's, it's more probabilistic to say that something is, is going wrong. It's a little less straightforward, right? So an example would be, the data is highly different today than it was yesterday. In our domain, that's a big problem, but what exactly it means is up for interpretation. What is very different? And is that a problem or is it a normal fluctuation in a data set that you use every day? Is a big drop in the amount of records something that you expect because of seasonality once in a while? Or is it because there was a data poll that went awry and you really didn't get data that you that, that your, your team is expecting. So there's a lot more, I think, fuzziness in determining when something has actually gone wrong within the data world. It's more multidimensional in a way. So I, I think that yeah. principle is, is a big uh, uh, distinction. There's a lot of, there's like a lot of unknowns going on with the amount of data that's coming in. And that's where I think that the, we've seen this as well. Like Josh and I talked to, customers all the time that 
yeah. most of their team is made up of is former software engineering teams. And now there are their data engineers now or their their data platform team members. And they're they're trying to take some of the stuff that they had in this very uh that we talked about earlier, the software delivery pipeline that they had, and they're trying to, you know, take that same coding uh skills that they had, apply it to what's going on in the data world, but the maturity of the software development world and application world is way more mature still to this day than the data delivery world. And so that thing that's where you're seeing, it's eventually going to correct, right? We're, we're in this where tools kind of come in that we can talk through. But um, yeah, it's definitely something that we're, we're, we're in the middle of every single day when we're talking to customers about this stuff. Okay. And what are some of the common challenges that organizations are trying to scale? Uh, you know, their DevOps processes within the modern data stack. Do you have any thoughts around that? Uh, maybe yeah, yeah. That's a, it's a great question. So um, you, you also asked about the modern data stack at that second part of the equation. Right. So maybe I'll, I'll offer a quick definition for how, how I think about that, how we might think about it. So the modern data stack, this is the set of new technologies that especially growth data teams are using, teams that are growing really quickly or using mm -hmm. to help ensure that they can um, build good data products, establish good data ops practices. A lot of these tool sets are, um, are helping to uh, define data processes as code and maybe um, move away from just GUI-based ways of, of moving and, and transforming data so that you can bring in software engineering best practices like CI, CD, and, and testing within your, your data architecture. So uh, really common to the modern stack, this would be tools like Snowflake, I think DBT has been transformative to a lot of organizations, and we can sort of be really core to um, the modern data stack as it as it shows up in in more companies. Um, you asked an interesting question about the like large scale organizations, you know, large scale growth with these tools, like enterprise view of the modern data stack, and I think we have a, an interesting perspective there in DataBand because we we grew up, you know, our startup, we we built our company. Um, really within the classic modern data stack in startups and growth companies and fast growth teams within enterprises. After our acquisition by IBM, we have exposure now, I think unique exposure to how these tool sets are being adopted by the largest companies in the world. Those like you know, uh -huh. four IBM customer bases. So we're, we're learning a lot in how the modern stack is being applied and scaled within the biggest organizations in the world. And it, it is raising some interesting dynamics and interesting challenges that we see in those teams that you might not necessarily see in the mid-market or, or smaller end of the of the uh, data world. So some examples there would be... Yeah, I think th uh, those are uh, pretty interesting insights, uh, uh, Josh. Uh, what I was also, you know, thinking when you were talking about, you know, the... Uh, the challenges at large organizations. I was also wondering, uh, you know, about the the data quality and observability bit. And uh, you know, Ryan, I think you might have something to share around some of the best practices that you know you recommend for scaling data ops, especially in data quality and data and data observability within the modern data stack. What's what's your thoughts uh, on that front? Yeah, I want to have Josh just finish out his last thing because I know he, he had some good points around some of the challenges that they see there. But yeah, happy to answer that question. Josh, what were you about to say about the, the last uh, part there? Yeah. So I think, what, yeah, when we see enterprises struggle 
with um, adopting the modern stack, there's a few common constraints that they begin to experience. Um, first one of which is governance. Um, that's a concern that you see in big companies that just doesn't have the same kind of prioritization in most of the smaller businesses of the world. And I think what's true about a lot of the tools within the modern stack is they were built up and they they matured sort of in the, the startup and growth company end of the market where things like governance were not as highly prioritized. So we're seeing that as a, a sticking point for a lot of um, enterprises. Another big example is how these teams bridge between modern stack technologies and their legacy tools. If you're a startup adopting the modern stack, you don't need to worry about the giant Oracle deployment that you have on-prem. You don't need to worry about the SAP deployment that runs your, your you know, enterprise, basically. But within a big organization, within large companies, you do need to worry about data within those environments. And teams are trying to figure out now, how do we adopt tools like DBT in ways that fit with all the other enterprise architecture that we have going on? And I, I think probably the last thing would be um, how these enterprises strike a good balance between oversight and those, those governance considerations and the agility that they want their data teams to drive. That's right. driving the whole interest in the modern stack in the first place. So how do they sort of lock down the really serious security constraints while also freeing up people to use more data, build more data products and um, deliver good solutions to the market? Very good, great insights. Yeah, and this is uh, this is something I, I just uh, uh, posted something on the, the screen share that um, we we kind of um, think through but when we're you know talking in a large enterprise or mid enterprise. It's really around data quality and observability. There's really kind of these two core areas, and again, this is not comprehensive, right? But um, if you look at like the the tackling of data quality and data ops across you know these. Um, in an enterprise, what you're really looking at is what are the needs of the personas? So engineering to science, to analytics, to analysts, to consumers, what data quality are you focused on, whether it's in motion or at rest? And then what are the capabilities you need underneath that? So, I mean, Josh kind of just discussed this kind of governance, uh, um, focus on governance that you would have if you are a traditional right. enterprise, right? On the other side, if you're a smaller company, and, in, and even in the enterprise, we're trying to uh, uh, go as fast as you can, but also deliver high quality data. You're also looking at things as it's in motion. And so when we look at uh, ways that enterprises can can really deliver that high quality data in a data ops environment, you got to look at uh, quality on a spectrum in two different areas. The data quality that's in motion versus you know, it's really like this pipeline observability, this pipeline um, uh uh, discoverability, uh, impact analysis, mm. recall analysis around what's going on in your in your data pipelines. And then it's also the at rest stuff. So it's like when data is actually in your warehouse, your lake house or in tables where you're, you're wanting to then you use the data um, uh, as a consumer, then you're talking more about a data catalog solution. You're talking about things like data privacy and access and governance and compliance and um, security and all these things that go into the actual using of that data, both have to be there. If you don't have either, like both of these in the enterprise, like that's a problem. Um, and I think that uh, you're going to see this convergence of data governance uh, really is something that observability is a 
kind of mm -hmm. like a fifth or seventh or I don't know how many pillars there are in data, data governance nowadays, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it's going to be uh, a mainstream pillar mm -hmm. in data governance, just like data cataloging is uh, today. Right. So um, this is kind of a very simplistic view. This is how we kind of view what's what when customers are talking to us about the data quality that they're wanting to deliver, uh, they're looking at in this kind of a spectrum. Okay. I think this is a very cool way to, you know, just put that out to how, uh, you know, enterprises are tackling data quality in data ops. Uh, Ryan, uh, would you be also sharing this with our audience uh, later, maybe on your uh, yeah, sure LinkedIn? Or... Yeah. If you need a really cool PowerPoint that I created in like one minute, <laughs> sure, I'll give it to you. <laughs> awesome. So yeah, folks who who wish to learn more about it, uh, for sure, uh, we'll we'll put it out on maybe Ryan's or other uh, our show. But uh, happy to put that out. Um, uh, also, George mentioned on one of your uh, <laughs> things about pillars. As many pillars as necessary, data governance has it all. So very cool. Uh, is that George? George? Yeah, George. Yeah. George is the king of data governance. He's the man. He truly, I agree. He's he's the cool advocate of uh, data governance. Even if you go and look at his uh, latest Saturdays, uh, he makes he makes sure that it's about somewhere about governance. So yeah, you can learn a lot from him. Uh, but that also brings me to one another important question about you know the pitfalls. Uh, so uh, Ryan, what what are the challenges that organizations face when? Uh, you know, trying to scale their data ops processes within the modern data stack. Any any thoughts there? Uh, Josh, you can maybe share your thoughts around that. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll take I'll take one of them, which is just the collaboration aspect. Um, hmm. uh, this is one that um, really, when it comes to at least uh, incident management, incident uh, triaging, and incident resolution. This is probably one of the main areas that um, teams face today with not having something that is proactively alerting them around quality issues as it's actually going on in the organization today. So uh, an example of that is like when I and and this is when I'm on show showroom fours or I'm at Gartner or I'm at you know talking on a conference floor with somebody and they come up to me and they say, what the heck does data band do? I say, hey, have you ever had like a problem where you had to notify the data engineering team at 3 a.m. in the morning that something was broke on a dashboard? And they're like, yes. I'm like, okay, that's what we do. So what, that's what we try to alleviate. So what I mean by that is like the, uh, the amount of times that I've come up from like the consumer side or the analyst team asking me like, hey, uh, I really need to help my upstream team, which is the platform or data engineering team, give us better data, better, more reliable data. How can I help them do that? Because a lot of times they're, they're disconnected. And the only way that they actually know about a problem is like way late in, in the actual cycle. And so if you think about like, and I'll present this uh, yeah. share my screen real quick. Um, this is kind of how we, uh, let me actually go to these guys over here. Um, when we talk to customers, it's usually on this kind of spectrum, right? If, if nice. without this observability layer that's in place in your data ops process, these things are going to pop up constantly. Um, you're going to have things where quality issues aren't discovered. You're going to have things where, like I mentioned earlier, um, 
your your the producers of the data are being reported by data consumers way late in the process, and then you have issues that take you know weeks to fix the issue, and everything is very reactive. It's not something where um, you know you can be able to be alerted on something or be uh, be notified something that's going on in flight within a particular pipeline where you can go and fix it. Uh, so it doesn't have those business impacts downstream. It's kind of this wild west of, of just pushing data as fast as you can. So one of the, the biggest challenges that um, uh, that I see in actually scaling is like having a cohesive, like uh, real time and also pointed solution that is going to allow these teams to identify and resolve things very quickly, um, mm. you know. Outside of that, I know, uh, Josh, I know you, you've you talked, me and I have talked a lot about um, the uh, problems with tool sprawl and also the, uh, uh, how I'd say, a cost sprawl that happens when uh, you are scaling you know, open source tools and uh, they tend to run up the cloud warehousing costs uh, as well. Yeah, I think this is a interesting area because it's the cost considerations, because it's something that really sits at the intersection between the modern stack and mm-hmm. ops and data ops, right? If, so if you're an ops team generally, not just data, you're going to have considerations, you're gonna have concerns about performance and cost, right? You're the folks in ops that are supposed to be keeping an eye on those cloud bills at the end of the month. With right. the modern data stack, the paradigm is shifting all these organizations onto cloud processing. And it's also shifting from a lot of ETL to ELT, where more transformation is being done on infinite scalable resources and tools like Snowflake, which can also mean unpredictability, right? So one of the big considerations, big questions that we're seeing emerge across these enterprise teams is how do we fine tune these, these two considerations between cost and how much a process is going to expense us at the end of the month versus mm. performance, how quickly do we need it to get done, right? So one of the actual tooling questions that we see coming up is, are there certain DAGs or certain pipelines that we want to move from an ELT um, execution on the warehouse back to an ETL execution? You know, Moving things between Spark and Snowflake deciding whether certain kind of data sets need to be delivered within a window of time and cost is not a consideration, cost is not a concern, or are there certain processes where we feel like there's maybe more questionable ROI, we wanna make sure we're not experiencing any unpredictable costs from our cloud bills at the end of the month, and it's okay if they take a little more time to deliver to the business, in which case you may wanna push it upstream to more of a transformation tool, ETL tool, as opposed to an ELT tool. So that's something in particular, that area of cost monitoring, performance monitoring, and how those two balance each other that we're seeing across a lot of the enterprises we're working with. Okay, that's pretty cool. Josh, can you also say, share some uh, success stories or case studies of organizations that have successfully scaled their data ops processes within the modern data stack? Any, any thoughts there? Yeah, I- I'm thinking of one client that we have um, Mm -hmm. in the financial sector, it's one of the big banks in the US and what they've been able to set up using DataBand is really a central monitoring system, basically a single pane of glass, like a command center that monitors both the processes that they have running on tools like DataStage, 
from, from IBM, which run more on their legacy infrastructure, deliver that data into modern warehouses like Snowflake, and then use us to monitor DBT processes within that Snowflake environment. And this is exactly the kind of bridging that I'm, I'm referring to between like legacy infrastructure and modern data stack technologies, which is really important to a big bank like this that needs full visibility throughout the chain. They need to know how data is being picked up from their core enterprise solutions within SAP and how that is moving into the modern end of the, the architecture in their Snowflake mm. repository. So DataBand kind of sits on top of that and is able mm. to connect those two windows of the, the environment together. Now, a lot of our clients are just using us within DBT um, mm. and within Airflow environments purely on the cloud, but increasingly we're seeing these enterprises pulling us into um, uh, additional areas of the stack so they get just broader suite visibility. Okay. Uh, that's pretty interesting and in, uh, good insights there. Uh, definitely helps our audience to understand uh, a bit more about data band and how uh, you are uh, setting up the processes for even the big banks, enterprise level companies. Uh, we also have a few questions here from our audience. Let's uh, quickly pick one. And for this question, definitely I can, <laughs> I'm happy for you both to be biased about. So there's asking what are the best tools for data governance and data quality and any thoughts, Ryan, Josh, and yeah, you can be biased, 100%. Well, I mean, well, first of all, like, uh, I would say, like, you have to, like, Josh and I, Josh has done a really good job talking about, like, the different spectrums that companies are at. So small, right. mediums, you know, small companies, two data engineers, whatever, at a, you know, sub 20, 30 person company is definitely not mm -hmm. going to be experiencing the same challenges as a 30, 50, 40 person data engineering team that's developing a data product, you know, with, you know, 5,000 uh, consumers, right? So, I mean, it's definitely depending, right? And so, like, for, for us, like, DataBand kind of uh, is a landing ground for a lot of teams that are in that mid, uh, small to medium-sized enterprises that nice. are there. And then it also is the same within a large enterprise that is trying to uh, – uh, take hold of more of the modern data stack tools that are in place. And so what we do is we look for, I mean, for, 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 for our perspective, right? If you're looking for a data quality and data governance tool, you may be looking at something that is more of a point solution, kind of where you're at today versus a comprehensive solution that would span across all of those. So, I mean, with data governance, you know, IBM has uh, Watson Knowledge Catalog. That's a solution part of Cloud Pack for Data. It's a product called Caster that's out there. I know there's a lot of yeah. other like, uh, you know, more, um, uh, I would say, uh, that are considered in the modern data stack world. Uh, other government tools mm -hmm. are out there. Data quality, again, spans uh, a lot of different areas. So, I mean, if you're just going to use, you can use DBT for uh, doing testing uh, within your transformations. You could use grid expectations. You could use data band for observability. Um, you know, there's a lot of other tools out there as well. Like, we're not afraid to talk about Monte Carlo and Excel data and all these other ones that are out there. Like, it really is dependent on what uh, what what really is going to fit your needs when it comes to where you're at on that spectrum of growth and like the types of data you're consuming, and then also the technologies that are ultimately going to be used um, to to really run your your modern data stack. So uh, I would say there's like best tools. Uh, I mean, I think we're great, but uh, I think that that's for the the customer to uh, to kind of take a take a look at. 
very cool not even a biased answer there but with explanation in uh, uh, that's that's uh, rhyme for you he's very transparent about things and uh, it brings uh, all the great insights thanks for that ryan also uh, other question here from sanjeev very interesting what is your thought on data lineage with many tools many ways of processing data it's way up to maintain data lineage top uh, data lineage that leads a big issue when there is any change how to determine what are the, what are the systems that are going to be affected so any thoughts there yeah i could take a first swing at that so data lineage is an interesting area because it's one that will feel different really different based on how it's being leveraged and what the application that's doing data lineage is trying to do right so mm-hmm. even within our field of view there are tools like databand which do lineage from an ops context and then there are tools like manta and uh, wkc and atlan and datahub and other solutions that we see within the mds that do lineage more from a cataloging perspective and that'll feel really different according to what kind of problems you're trying to solve. So for example with databand we take an ops perspective to lineage. So when we provide lineage information within our our product, it's in right. the context of an alert that we've raised, right? So we say maybe this data set is late. Here are the downstream data sets that are directly related to this issue which are going to be impacted by this lateness or this airflow pipeline has failed or this dbt test has failed and here are the surrounding data sets that are going to be in trouble because of that or the upstream processes that might be responsible for it but we sort of zoom in uh, this global map of lineage towards the proximal mm. issues that are going to be affected by an operational problem that has occurred an alert that's been raised that's going to be that's going to feel really different from a tool like maybe datahub or atlan where the lineage perspective or manta the lineage perspective is a lot more global it, it's mm. a lot more wide reaching it's not necessarily speaking from the context of a problem that's already occurred or is it going to occur it's more from an informational perspective so whereas we see our personas our users coming in from an ops perspective how do i find and fix this problem those other lineage tools we see them more coming in from a data builder or an analyst perspective saying um I'm about to build the dashboard. What are the data sets that I need to know about that are going to be connected to the KPIs that I want to present to my stakeholders? So, lineage being a common denominator in the, the functional sense, but very different in how it's applied across these solutions. Us yeah. from a more operational standpoint. Yeah, and I would just I would uh, encapsulate it with like whereas the ops part is like break fix mentality. Hey, something breaks. Here's how you go fix it. Here's where you go fix it. Here's the root cause. Versus the latter part that Josh said, which is like analyze and build. Like, hey, I see everything that's connected here. I know where all my data is. Okay, I know how this connects into certain tables. Okay, now I can go build something after I analyze that. So definitely, like, I think that just like the word data quality, data lineage is also uh, that word that is uh, in a mixture of all different mm. types of different uh sections within the data world from you know catalog to observability to you know all these different tools that are out there and yeah we could probably do a better job i think data uh, community in general can do a better job of just uh, uh labeling certain things because it, it can get a little little confusing out there i, I thought yeah. that was a handy handy phrase though uh break it fix it versus um, thanks josh you know sometimes i know what i'm talking about you know sometimes i can uh say, say an analogy every now and then there's a rare event where, you know, <laughs> 
uh, Josh, thanks for those insights. Thanks, Ryan, for uh, bringing that up. And uh, also, uh, one question here, uh, you know, that I had for Ryan is we were also talking about data governance before this. So, how do you balance the need for speed and agility with the need for data governance and compliance? Uh, any any thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, I think you I think you need both depending on, it goes back to my uh, example I gave about kind of where you're at yeah. in, in the space, right? I mean, sometimes, you know, the speed and agility part is, uh, takes precedent over all the, you know, depending on what organization you're in and may not necessarily start with compliance and governance. Like that's why like a lot of times when people come to us, like for, for at least for data band, it's more about the speed and agility part. If you're coming to us and you're asking questions around governance and compliance and security and privacy, we're probably going to say, hey, DataBank can do this in terms of like your speed and agility. But if you're really trying to get into this more access data layer, data, data, you know, data management layer, data governance layer, we would probably talk to you more about a data catalog solution um, and how they would work together. So we wouldn't we wouldn't just say like, hey, um, you know, uh, tie in observability for this whole thing, we would say, hey, this is a part of a whole governance strategy, probably. And observability is like that next wave of a layer into governance. So we would say, hey, you got to prioritize both. But I will say, depending on your 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 uh, uh, industry that you're in and your company mm -hmm. size and who you serve and all the regulations you have, one is definitely going to be over the other um, at times. Exactly. I totally agree. So, uh, one question here from the audience that I also wanted to pick uh, real quick. Uh, an interesting question. Uh, and also, one comment here from Sanjeev since we took his question as well. We are in the process of setting up the data ops team, going to explore data band and explore more on that. Looking forward. Any tips to uh, Sanjeev since they're just setting up uh, the data ops team there? Uh, Ryan, anything, Josh? Yeah, I could offer offer something that um, I think would benefit a lot of teams when they're setting up the process. And um, we, we see it often as an afterthought is um, understanding within that data ops organization, what are the responsibilities? What are the expectations that you're going to set with your stakeholders, with your consumers downstream? what kind of SLAs you may want to actually establish within that interface, within that uh, right. working with those stakeholders um, and uh, communicating those SLAs. And then how do you want to ensure them through the tooling that you select? And, and think about the tooling as downstream to those other considerations, those more core considerations. For example, we see a lot of uh, data ops teams deciding on SLAs around timing of data, the structure of data, and maybe deciding that certain internal details of data sets are more in the responsibility for the analyst to ensure on their own, right? We see that, that exactly. distinction of different responsibilities, and that should inform the SLAs that you set, and that should inform the tools and the frameworks that you bring in, because obviously you'll need to bring in tools that allow you to meet your SLAs. And you don't want to invest in a solution that doesn't actually protect against the SLAs that you've set with your team. So I would just think about the, the process through that that perspective. No, I think that's a good suggestion, uh, Josh. Uh, so thanks for sharing. I'm sure it definitely helps Sanjeev there. 
Uh, one quick question that I was looking at was how do you ensure that your data pipelines are secure, reliable, and scalable, especially when your organization grows and evolves? Uh, any any thoughts there? Uh, well, I mean, for for from my perspective, like most of the time when we deal with data pipelines, we're mostly dealing with open source data pipelines and code-driven pipelines. So. Most of our, and I had a conversation with uh, Mac, uh, Mark Lamberti from Astronomer. He's actually coming mm. on a podcast coming out soon. Oh, but wow. we had questions. We, had, you know, he's he's basically uh, one of the most uh, educated guys out there on on Apache Airflow. Like he he does all okay. kinds of stuff out there. And the same question came up when we were talking on our podcast. And one of the things I said was, or what he said was like, "Hey, you know, you can you can run, uh, uh, you, you can scale." Airflow all by yourself, and here's ways to do it. Or you can use something like Astronomer to, you know, help help you actually scale it and take off. And and uh, where you're 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 outsourcing the scaling of the technology that we're already going to scale, you know, in house. Then there are solutions like more low code solutions like Data Stage and you know, Fivetran is another one that's out there for ingestion and orchestration and things like that. Uh, DBT does a lot of stuff as well. So, I mean, there's ways to like not, you know, depending on if you're wanting to do this code-driven approach or low-code approach, there's lots of tools out there that are going to be doing that to help you out with that. And then when it comes to the reliable part um, and, and scalable part, that's where Databand really, I think, helps out in a lot of these areas because an example is like one of our customers, they're a, uh, you know, they're, they have, they're a, um, inventory uh, retail uh, solution that basically can scan all the different uh, inventory levels in your organization. And then it'll tell you like, hey, you're too low here, too high here. You need to replace inventory and, and whatever. Well, all those are done through deep ML learning pipelines that are running on Apache Airflow. They've, they soak by themselves. But what they needed to do was add more and more and more ML pipelines to get that accuracy to be more and more accurate. So with Databand, what they're doing is they're basically putting in, you know, a thousand cameras, digital cameras inside of their pipelines to monitor all this so they can scale with confidence. So it's not just like, hey, can you get a pipeline to deploy it? It's like, can you get a pipeline to deploy it? And then also make sure you're monitoring it and managing it and maintaining it after you actually build your first pipeline and run it, right? You're going to have a data reliability problem as soon as you push the button to uh, uh, deploy your first data pipeline, right? And then that compounds mm. more and more and more and more as soon as you add more runs, more pipelines, so on and so forth. Okay, pretty interesting. I'm sure uh, this is a very helpful info around you know the uh, when you kind of you know obviously uh, grow and evolve in you know just having that uh, secure, reliable, and scalable pipelines. So thanks for that, Ryan. Also, uh, I know uh, keeping the time in mind, and uh, I'll definitely picking one other question here from our audience. But before that, quick reminder about the giveaway, which is hundred dollars by DataBand uh, and Amazon Card. So don't hesitate to type in hashtag DataBand in the chat, and we'll pick the lucky winners out there. Uh, okay, this question uh, was pretty interesting. From Antonio, what, what strategy would you recommend when implementing a data catalog solution to make sure we do not end up with a lot of not trusted data in our catalog, application-based, domain-based, solution-based, etc.? Any thoughts there? Yeah, I think th this is an interesting one because um, of the, the question about what you mean by trust. So uh, I think 
trusted data, first of all, what I'd recommend doing is breaking down where you've had trust issues with your data and your, mm -hmm. and your team in the past, understanding what are the main gaps that are leading to trust problems and then addressing those gaps. And that may come from a catalog solution and it may come from an observability solution. It may come from a data quality solution. It may come from a yeah. new orchestrator. So uh, what's interesting about the modern stack today is that there's so many different best of breed technologies that are learning how to work with one another to deliver better service, better data than teams have ever really had access to before. So whether you're looking at a catalog or another product, trusted data, I think is something that all of these different solutions are aiming to deliver to. One of the right. big questions that we see around data trust is the lack of predictability in how data arrives to end stakeholders. That might be something that a catalog can help you fix, but it might be something that you need a observability or other solution for. So what I would, um, what I would really recommend most of all when looking at a catalog or really any solution in the stack is think about its openness to connect with other services, how well it integrates and plugs in to other products within the environment. And hmm. um, think about that and how your requirements may evolve over time. Because what I, what I can almost guarantee is that it's not going to be a one, solu one solution size fits all kind of answer, right? The catalog is not going to deliver all trust the observability solution isn't going to deliver all trust. It's how these products work alongside one another to, to create that, um, that end result. Yeah, I think you just need to have that good mix of, you know, product that can actually uh, take you to from point A to point B to make sure that, okay, now you can say that you trust the data because you have had those filters coming in from these products. So makes total sense there, Josh. Uh, quick question for both of you. If folks want to learn more about DataBand, where can they go? And obviously, I know there's uh, the website, and I know for a fact, uh, you know, uh, Ryan has, uh, and you know, you guys have written a, a chapter in the book that we are coming up as well, uh, data observability, the reality. So can't uh, wait to bring that to our audience. But otherwise, as well, where can folks reach out and learn more about data band? Uh, do you have any resources that they can? Yeah, support? Yeah. If you want to reach out to Josh, he's on TikTok. He does a lot of TikToks, you know. <laughs> wow. Like you do like once a day, right? You uh, it's with your dog. Uh, uh, I'm working on my shuffle dance. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, uh, so we're we're both on LinkedIn. Obviously, you can email us um, and just uh, send us chats as well. If you if you want to be on our podcast as well, we're always looking for data engineers, analytics engineers, anyone that's like dealing with machine learning, AI data in their, in their space today. And you know, they're solving complex problems. We're happy to have them on the podcast as well. Um, nice. It's always a, it's a fun thing for the data community. Uh, it's just, you know, we don't talk about data band. We just talk about uh, you. So if you, if you want to be a part of that, hit me up and we'll see if we can get you scheduled in. Okay. That's pretty cool. Uh, so uh, those are the places you can reach out to Ryan and Josh. Uh, and even TikTok, as Ryan mentioned, so you can reach out to Josh there. But uh, pretty interesting insights, uh, both of you. I think uh, definitely uh, great work by DataBand and uh, what you guys are bringing up. Can't wait for another session. Can't wait to obviously discuss more about uh, data observability, data quality uh, that's coming up in the near future. Uh, okay, one last quick question for both of you. Any uh, any quick, since we are still in the early start, any one prediction that you would want to add 
2023 from your end that you see uh, growing in that space, growing in, uh, you know, in 2023 already, or maybe in just in the near future? Maybe Ryan, you can start. Uh, Josh is pretty good at predictions. I feel like uh, my, oh. my 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 prediction <laughs> is my prediction is more on the market side, which I do think there's going to be more and more consolidation with the vendors. I mean, the reality is right. We're in a weird economic situation right now, and I think that um, there there was a a lot of really interesting you know technologies in the data space that are you know in the mix now within this current economic condition that i do think you're going to see more and more uh companies uh, like ibm or like uh oracle or microsoft or whoever some of the some of the bigger uh, companies out there look to some of these solutions for acquisition possibly like i definitely think that that's going to happen this year um so that's more mm -hmm. of like a market thing yeah, I agree with that. I think we're going to see less crazy funding rounds. Um, we're mm -hmm. going to see, you know, investors kind of come back to earth and and um, uh, that's going to sort of um, separate the cream from the crop in terms of the startups. And that we're, we're going to see more winnowing out of the, the broader data market. I think there's going to be consolidation of vendors. Um, I, I think within teams, within uh within data teams on a, from a tooling perspective, um, I would expect that we see more accounting for the ROI of all the different solutions that were just brought on board in the last few years. And there's probably gonna be more harder selections of what we actually wanna keep, what are the core parts of the stack, leaning more into open source technologies. And I, I think we're gonna continue to see really the dominance of open source driving a lot of core infrastructure behind the, the, these data teams. Um, so. That's uh, something, one of the trends that we're kind of watching closely to see how it, it evolves. Yeah, good points. Consolidation, focusing more on open source in uh, obviously, uh, you know, looking at something, prioritizing something which uh, makes sense uh, in the modern data stack would be uh, next, uh, you know, good trending things. So yeah, let's see how that goes. But uh, thanks for sharing those and thanks for uh, visiting the Rabbit Show, it was such a pleasure to have you both, Josh, Ryan. Uh, uh, you know, Josh, it was your first time. I hope you enjoyed. But Ryan is always a rock star on the Rabbit Show. He's always uh, shared amazing insights. So thanks again to both of you, and thanks to our audience for joining in, asking in questions. Uh, definitely looking forward to our next sessions. So see you very soon. Yeah, man. Thanks again. Thanks very much. Great to be here. Thank you.